Welcome, Mistorians. Host Austin Heave She and host Brenda She Her have been waiting for you. Come along for Secret Histories of Nerd Mysteries. Hello everyone, welcome to episode 26 of Secret Histories of Nerd Mysteries. My name is host Brenda. I'm host Austin. And today is a day after a day we're not going to talk about. Today <laughs> we're just talking about nerd stuff. <laughs> it's, uh... I don't know when y'all are listening to this, but let me assure you, it's been a time. <laughs> it's been a time. Uh, so oddly enough, what we what I've brought today will mark what time it is. Uh, but mm. we'll, we can get to that in a bit. How have you been, Brenda? Oh, hanging in there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Just, uh, my health has been a little bit bad this week. Mm-hmm. Austin's been super awesome and checking in on me, and I'm very super grateful for that. Um, but it's just like, something's up, doctor doesn't know, doesn't want to find out, and it's really stressful, especially in times of the 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 coronavirus hey 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 everyone we're gonna bully brenda's doctors meet me uh i don't know when you're listening to this so i'm just gonna wait like behind the tim hortons for like a month or two and like let's say uh by the new year whoever's there we're just gonna we're gonna storm brenda's doctor's office so i'm gonna try to find a new doctor um it's hard because i i'm on uh medicaid so it's like it has to be a very specific doctor and changing it over is like a little bit difficult. But mm-hmm. I do have some good news. Nice. <laughs> Maybe not good news. I need to take a sleep test and um which is good because I think my insurance is covering it. But the cool thing about this is I'm very starved for anything similar to a vacation and I get to sleep in a place that's not my house overnight. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> I'm you got to take your like, your favorite jammies, you got to take yeah. your pigu, get your switch. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're like, yeah, you'll have a little bit of downtime, so bring a book to read. So here's how it goes. I go there at like 8 o'clock at night, and I get to sleep on a sleep number mattress. So wow. it's like I get to try a mattress, like just a test run for free. Cool. This is, this is amazing. How? Hey, <laughs> hey, everybody, don't go shopping for mattresses. Just convince someone to give you a sleep test. <laughs> yeah. So I get to I get there at 8, and then they hook me up to all the stuff, and then they're just like, all right, stay awake for a little bit, read a book, and then go to sleep. So then I sleep, and then they wake me up the next day, and then I have to do what's called a nap test for most of the next day, in which they wake me up, I just kind of do, like, whatever the fuck I want for a while, then they tell me I have to go to sleep, and then I (laughs) go to sleep. (laughs) And then they, like, time it, and if I'm asleep, I'm asleep. If I don't sleep, they, like, write down the data, and then they wake me back up, and then I do whatever the fuck I want for a while, and then they... (laughs) They're going to put me, tell me to go to sleep again. And then I try to go to sleep again. And I do that for most of the next day. <laughs> Amazing. That's, and, um, you know, just vacations don't exist right now. So this seems pretty exciting to little old me. Nice. <laughs> That's how I did Well, I'm, I'm um, excited for your, I'm glad you failed your first sleep test. Yes. Uh, so hard that you had to get another one. Well, th- the first one was just like, 
how many times do I move in the middle of the night, which is 40, by the way. Oh. Um, and then um, if I had sleep apnea, which I don't, which I didn't think I did. So um, best case scenario, they have coupons for mattresses and I get to buy a new mattress. What, what is happening? <laughs> <laughs> Why does the doctor have a coupon for a mattress? I've heard sometimes they do. So hopefully they do. Uh, you know, because it's like you can't sleep if you have a bad mattress. And I think my mattress is just too hard. Mm-hmm. So, but buying a mattress is so stressful. I've had a couple already that just have not what, worked out. What mattress you got your eye on? Um, so, okay. So some people have been like, don't get a sleep number. Mm-hmm. But here's why I would like a sleep number mattress. Um, I just move around a lot at night. So like, if you get the one that like automatically adjusts, mm-hmm. my spine won't be in like a bad position all right. night when I'm sleeping. And like pressure points are like a big thing with me too. Um, and then like, because I've tried soft mattresses and I've tried hard mattresses and it's mm-hmm. like, I don't, neither of those have really worked. So like the thought of like a mattress that can adjust itself mm-hmm. to whatever my body needs at whatever given moment in time seems like pretty great. That sounds so, like the future. Does it like, is it, this sounds like a mattress that also would have like fucking Bluetooth and like connect to your sleep. It, this sounds like <laughs> it does, but the, the absolute like, future of mattresses. There's an app and it tracks your like amazing uh, your sleep. So it's like that just seems and it's like not that much more expensive than like a purple mattress and it's cheaper than a Casper mattress. So it's like ooh. Okay. Hey, all right. Hey sleep number. That was that one was free. But yeah. you hit us up next time if you want an ad. <laughs> it's like, "Hey, please, we'll do ads. Sleep number. Please also send me a mattress." Thanks. <laughs> Ooh, send, send Brenda a mattress, and I'll we'll read at we'll we'll review. We'll have a special review hour long episode. Where, the where the, hey, secret. Hey, historian. Today we're gonna talk about the history of the sleep number mattress. <laughs> In 1987, <laughs> Anna and Bob sleep number <laughs> had a revolutionary idea. I, I can't imagine the pitch for the sleep number where they're like, you, so it's a bed, right? Yeah. And it fucking, like, you, like, you, you can set it to numbers. What are you talking about? Yeah. <laughs> you, there's like, there's these numbers. numbers. <laughs> yeah, the sleep number. And it's like... Are you high? <laughs> what, what is the sleep number? It's the number that which you sleep at. <laughs> like, 8 o'clock at night? Or what are you, what are you talking... You see, no hospital beds. Yeah, it's like that. You're going to sell a hospital bed? <laughs> it's, it's Okay, so it's like an air mattress. An air mattress. <laughs> but it's a good air mattress. A good one. <laughs> what heresy? What's it full of? Sleep numbers. <laughs> <laughs> numbers and air. <laughs> <laughs> oh, goodness. Austin, how have you been? I've been all right. I, so I, a long time ago... Uh, for Xbox Gold members, which I am one of, they gave out the Batman Telltale games for free. Yes. Um, and I had not, I like had played half of the first one, like one week my partner had off. We played like one, like I played like one a night, you know, cause it's kind of like a movie, like each episode's around an hour and a half to two hours long. Some of the, some of the newer ones are longer. Uh, mm-hmm. so it was, it was like fun and nice. you know, with times i was like i need a distraction so i went back to play it 
and they were everyone. The Batman Telltale games are very fun. The first one's kind of rough, graphics-wise. <laughs> oh, yeah, because I played the first, what was it? Because they used to release them, like, episodically. Yeah. So I played the first episode, and then the second one wasn't out. Um, and that was, was a little rough. That was it's, my first time ever playing a Telltale game, too. It, it's it's rough, uh, especially, like, I'm on, like, an Xbox one I, I don't i don't know they named the xbox is bad i'm on the i'm on the new xbox but not the new new xbox uh and so like it's definitely rough it definitely wasn't meant to render as fast as my xbox can handle so it ran into some issues the newer mm-hmm. one batman the enemy within was very smooth Ooh. very cleaned up that's good uh, i gotta grab that one it was super fun it is i think one of the most interesting batman stories i've ever played and i mean it's my story because it like curates to how you play because it's a Telltale game, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I don't want to give away too much because the newer one, Batman Enemy Within still is like a pretty popular following online and there's some rumors that there might be a season three, hopefully, oh. since Telltale oh. got... Because Telltale got saved. Oh, when did that happen? Uh, I missed it too. It was like some other studio bought them and they... Because they bought them so they could finish the Walking Dead game. Yeah. Uh, and they're still around because they re-released the Batman Telltale games. Uh, last year they released, like, Shadows Edition, so it's, like, noir, black and white Batman. Mm-hmm. So oh. they're still around. So a lot of, like, last year and this year there's been a lot of, like, maybe there'll be a season three. Like, I saw some... It wasn't, like, a great source, which is why I didn't tweet about it, but there was, like, some rumor mail happening on some websites from, like, we have a source that says they're in pre-production, which is, like... They could be. I mean, I wouldn't be shocked. They definitely left it where they could continue the story. It's a very popular Telltale game, um, and everyone loves Batman. Yeah. So it would make more sense that they'd want to make another one if they could, like, get the funds together and everything. I'd be shocked if... Honestly, it's, like, a perfect spot for DC to step in and just fund the game themselves because they're fun, they sell well, and, I mean, DC loves selling Batman to people. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's, like, it make more sense if they were working on it, but if they're working on it, it's very much in the, like, they're having meetings with people, because not, absolutely nothing has been announced. They changed their social media to be, like, all scenes from the Batman games, which is why people were like, that's weird. <laughs> yeah, because I was just looking it up, and it looks like um, Wolf Among Us 2 is still in production, yep. and Walking Dead is still in production, too, so yep. that's really... Okay, because I was... What happened, what Telltale did to, like, all their employees was really shitty. It was like, awful. Because, it was, <laughs> yeah, they just shut down and no one got paid and it was, there was they, no notice and it sucked. Yeah, if you missed this news, everyone, Telltale Games is a studio that does, like, story-based, story-slight, like, light action-based gameplay. And mm-hmm. what happened one day is the boss, like, the way employees tell us, like, people in charge walked in and they are like, hey, we're closing, you don't have a job. And the employees went what do you mean when and they're like right now leave <laughs> you, like your severance was take what you want from your office jeez yeah but it's like telltale had like a really good idea because like these casual like story-based games mm-hmm. are really they were always written usually written pretty well and like good for like casual gamers mm-hmm. so for like me who has like no coordination is bad at games mm-hmm. like just like the story and the fact that you get to affect the story um it was really cool, and I was, like, super upset that there weren't going to be any games like that anymore. Mm-hmm. So I'm glad that, like, someone's picking it up. Yeah, yeah, um, and it, they are, they're written very well, and it's very, mm-hmm. it's 
really cool because, like, I think it serves Batman well because Batman, there's so many action movies and games and cartoons like that are like action based for Batman and the Telltale storytelling. Like, there are action sequences, you know, where you have to do like quick time, like hit X, <laughs> and then like Batman does a bunch of cool moves. So it makes you feel cool because. The Batman, yeah. like, Arkham games, sometimes I feel bad because I just hit B <laughs> a lot. Just like, B, 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 yeah. And you get to do a lot of detective stuff that I know the Arkham games have some of. Like, I know there's some investigating portions, but the Telltale games, it's, like, very much investigating and, like, talking to people and, like, trying to remember story elements and, like, trying to figure out who could be playing you. Like, it's very ingrained to, like, that part of Batman because it's so dialogue-heavy. Yeah, and it's, like, you have to make decisions, like pretty quickly yes or else you, oh like, my god there's okay everybody one spoiler <laughs> there was one where essentially i had to choose between sacrificing myself or the last last so the, there was one part of the game where i was playing enemy within where i had to choose essentially between uh either saving myself or saving catwoman um mm-hmm. and i picked saving catwoman because i'm batman but it was like it was very hard. There were a bunch of, like, like, like there was one where I had to either turn Catwoman into Gordon or, like, Oof. like, it was like, you can either call Selina and tell her Gordon's coming or not call Selina, and earlier in the game, I'd already made Gordon mad twice, and it's that thing where it's like, if the GCBT doesn't like me, it's very hard to be Batman. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sucks, but it's true. <laughs> so, yeah, Telltale Batman, it's a lot of fun, uh... Warning, the first one, if you try and romance Selena, there's a very prolonged sex scene. We have to make more choices than you should. <laughs> Did we talk about that last week? Yeah, I, there are just so many choices. There are so many times that it's like, <laughs> do you want to kiss her? Do you want to kiss her? Do you want to unzip her catsuit? Do you want to watch her unzip the catsuit? And I'm like, come on, man. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just trying to be Batman. You know, I just like move on. Uh, <laughs> Everyone at Telltale is just real horny. Yeah, it's... Anyway. <laughs> Alright, what's the topic this week? So, there was... So, uh, I will date us a little bit, because recently it was the date of November 3rd. Uh, November 3rd's a lot of things, in a lot of places, for a lot of people. But most importantly, I think, November 3rd is Godzilla Day in Japan. Oh! <laughs> in, I was... I was like, man, I wish I could play a Godzilla roar. I don't have the rights to a Godzilla roar. Or technically, our granddaddy is Sony, and they have some rights to some Godzilla roars, but I do not know who I call about that. <laughs> <laughs> so whenever I figure that out, everyone, I'll start putting Godzilla roars in. I have no idea. Like, because I was looking through it, and there is, like, a good chunk of movies that Sony Entertainment owns the rights to, and I'm like, okay, so somewhere we own a Godzilla roar, technically. Somewhere, technically, yeah, I don't know what the <laughs> what the copyright is on the Godzilla noise. I'll just do my best impression. Here we go. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> That's gonna really fuck up my audio. <laughs> I can't, <laughs> it's gonna be like, all right, Brenda, you don't get to be loud anymore. I can't, I can't wait for for Rich to be listening back to this before I upload it, and it just. Ah! Um, there's that theme park in Japan where you get to zipline into Godzilla's I want it. Uh, Please. Take me away. We were talking about that in the Conan chat. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Also, I'm looking at it and he looks like he's got fucking googly eyes. Like the Godzilla (laughs) you zipline into. He's got like googly eyes. 
Oh my goodness. Okay, so um, as you can expect, and everyone else knows, there's a f- lot of Godzilla and a lot I could talk about. So I'm mostly going to talk about either things in general and overall or the first film. Uh, mm-hmm. And we're welcome to go wherever we go, but I was like researching this and I was like, there's so much fucking Godzilla. There's so Yeah, listen. there's so much. <laughs> Can I give you my Godzilla yeah. background real quick? Yeah. Okay, so I have not seen the first movie. Oh my god. So I'm going to be learning today. But okay. I've seen the Mothra films. Okay. So And I've <laughs> seen all those. And I used to watch the Godzilla Hanna-Barbera cartoon. Okay. Into that. Okay. And I uh, was pretty excited about the 96 Godzilla movie, which is bad. And then I saw the... Brian Cranston Godzilla movie in theaters. Okay. And that's my 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 Godzilla knowledge. That's Godzilla. <laughs> uh so the first Godzilla. the first thing I have is on as a whole. So the franchise of Japanese films, I had to do a lot of math for this everybody. This was <laughs> not just around. Uh the franchise of Japanese films this is to inflation in US dollars has grossed roughly 790 million dollars. God. Uh by the late 70s, Toho, who released God... Let me go back. Godzilla was created... Is distributed by Toho. <laughs> the, that's the studio. Um, Godzilla was originally created uh, by... Oh, here it is. By uh, Iji Tsubuya? Tsuburaya, who did special effects. The director was Ishiro Honda. Uh, and the producer for the film was Tomoyuki Tanaka. And they were known as the Toho Golden Trio. Like, they were, like, the go-to people for Toho um, for this reason. Uh, the first Godzilla film was released in Nagoya on October 27th, 1954. And then for all of Japan, it was released November 3rd, which is why November 3rd is Godzilla Day. Oh. Also 1954. Uh, it, wow. Godzilla's original budget was uh, about uh, $275,000. And its box office take-home was $2.1 million. So that is... Brenda, listen listen to this wackadoo production. Listen to how... Yes. Get, oh, guess how long um, they were in production for the first Godzilla film. Like a month. They were... No? No? Okay. Okay. I see you went, you went lowball. 122 yeah. days. Oh my god. <laughs> it, wait, wait, wait. 50 of those... 51 of those days were the, like principal photography of like the actors and the people the mm-hmm. other 71 days was all the special effects work oh my god hey everybody that's like no time yeah to make a 96 minute movie that's that that's insane that's wild like that the guy in the godzilla suit just lived in that suit didn't he yeah okay <laughs> so the first uh godzilla suit operator uh, and he operated Godzilla suits until 72. Um, mm-hmm. I have his name right here. It's later in my notes when I talk about the suit. Uh, the suits were called Goji. Here it is. Uh, Haru Nakajima uh, was the first Godzilla suit operator. They even molded the suit like to his body. like He modeled for them so the suit would... He wanted the suit to fit better and like look more realistic. Um, he had done some other stunt work for Toho a lot, so... Around this time period, a lot of these actors, directors, producers, like, a lot of their work prior is war propaganda. Um, yeah. For better or for worse, I mean, I'm not going to get into the... Well, we will, because we're talking about Godzilla. The intricacies of 
that world for creatives like that was pretty much how they could work like it was like you can be in war propaganda or you can go fight in the war well (laughs) yeah well guess i make propaganda now um uh haruno or wow haruo uh reportedly lost about 20 pounds every film from the weight and the heat and the suit uh oh my god the first godzilla suit reportedly uh, and I say reportedly because, like, these suits do not exist. The latex, the, like, they use, like, the cement latex material that yeah. rotted really easily. About every two years they had to make a new suit, which is why Godzilla's oh. look changes so much in that Showa area from 64 to 75 is when the Showa Emperor died, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, the reason his look changed so much is because they were making new suits pretty much Every year-ish when you're watching a film, because they make the suit and it starts deteriorating almost immediately. Yeah. Um, but the first suit reportedly, like, it could it could retain so much heat that you could boil your tea water in it, is what they would say. Uh, Jesus. The reason Godzilla has spines is because they hid the zipper along the spines of the suit. Because <laughs> they, oh. they had to get in. Yeah, so they would use the spines to cover up the zipper? Yep, that's why they gave Godzilla spines. Originally, Godzilla, uh, what they originally wanted to do, uh, Iji, who was the special effects producer, wanted to make it a giant octopus monster. Oh. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) But after they had some meetings and talked about it and stuff, they landed on a more dinosaur look, and I couldn't find more about that. Like, a lot of, a lot of the, like, the Golden Tree are all, deceased um yeah some of the original actors and some of the like stunt people are still alive but these people are all older i mean they were all they're all now around in their 80s um the person who i found was the most active was akira uh takanada or no not takanada takarada my bad i wrote down an n it's an r um akira takarada is the person I found the most active, who is one of the original stars of the film. Um, he plays the diver, uh, who, he is the one who, like, responsible for diving down to kill Godzilla with the Oxygen Destroyer. <laughs> uh, so, since you don't know much about Godzilla, Brenda, let me give you an overview of the first Godzilla film real quick. I'm ready. Well, really quick before you start, the original Gods, if I'm correct... The original Godzilla movie in Japan mm-hmm. and the version that we got in America are different, right? Absolutely different. So okay. the one in Japan was very heavily about the horrors of like super weapons and nuclear testing and bombing and all of that stuff. Uh, the American one edited out pretty much all of those scenes and through <laughs> dubbing, because the American one that got released, this is before they did subtitles for movies, uh, the American one that got released, like, did dub work and so they just dubbed over like any of those conversations to make them something different uh Ah. the american one was very much like a sci-fi monster flick that Mm. that is what they brought to the american one it was like a monster we had to stop and that was it there's no other subterfuge or conversation yeah so it could fit in with like our subgenre of like monster right so had like the blob and Mm -hmm. um the the thing mm-hmm. not the th- not the John Carpenter one the ant one yes it's <laughs> <laughs> um, a genre that my dad is very into so it's super wild that I have not seen Godzilla because my dad is a big Godzilla fan yeah that is so interesting I know I'm like thinking because we watched Mothra together and I'm like mm-hmm. why didn't we watch Godzilla the Mo- <laughs> the Mothra one is good the Mothra one so uh, the Godzilla films in that early period mm-hmm. from 
54 to 75, they released 15 films. So that's that's a lot, everybody. Once again, that is <laughs> that is roughly two films a year ish. Jeez. Uh each film's budget was about one million dollars and they made roughly about ten to twenty million dollars in revenue each each film worldwide. Oh uh and yeah, besides a hand so a lot of those films like kinda went more like slapstick and comedic and they were aimed at kids and that's where you get a lot of those memes of like Godzilla having like weird wrestling scenes with the other monsters, and that's where the idea mm. of like Godzilla as a anthropomorphic like anti-hero or superhero comes from is like those early films mm-hmm. the few that are cited and that in my opinion um were more like serious and like could be scary if you were a kid were the first godzilla mm-hmm. godzilla raids again mafra versus godzilla uh destroy all monsters which was meant to be the last godzilla film where they just kill all these monsters saw how that went uh, <laughs> yeah and terror of mecha godzilla and those yeah. those are all the ones that are like have more serious connotation. Even the suits look a little bit scarier in those movies. Mm-hmm. Um, so the first Godzilla film is heavily is very interesting. They did not mean they were, had no plan to make Godzilla. Mm-hmm. What Toho wanted to originally make was a movie called In the Shadow of Glory or Ekino Kagami, which was going to be a Japanese Indonesian co-production about the aftermath of the oh. Japanese ap- occupation of Indonesia. Oh, but very different. But the there's so high anti-Japanese sen- sentiment in Indonesia, and political pressure forced the government to deny visas for the crew. Oh, uh, so the producer uh, Tanaka that I talked about earlier flew over to try and like negotiate like what they could do and what could happen, but the government was like, "Our people will revolt." <laughs> it's fair. It's fair. So. No, I I don't know what to tell you. Um, yeah. um, time to make a monster movie. Yeah, on the on the flight back, he was like, "I got to make something else." This so this is 1953. So then in 1954, they they crank out Godzilla. <laughs> <laughs> uh, in 1953, inspired by a movie, The Beast from the twenty from Twenty Thousand Fathoms, which is an American black and white sci fi monster flick from Warner Bros. Uh, oh. And then a real-world event, which was the Daigo Fukuyu Maru incident, which is where a fishing boat uh, with 23 men on it were contaminated by nuclear fallout from a nuclear thermal weapon test by the United States uh, off of the coast. Uh, all those men died like on the boat on the way back, save for one who survived. Um, and the opening of the first Godzilla has a scene where like men are on a fishing boat there's, like, some kind of nuclear testing, and Godzilla wakes up and, like, destroys the boat, and that's, like, inspired by that event. The boat in the first Godzilla film actually bears the name uh, Ekimaru, which is, like, Eki from the film they didn't make, and Maru from the real boat that was attacked. Oh. Um, And so inspired by those two events, they wanted to make this film about... Fears of nuclear fallout, fears of this Cold War that was going on between American and Russia. Like, Russia is, like, people don't think about a lot. Russia's, like, right there for Japan. Yeah, it's, and there's, there are constant problems. (laughs) Yes, there are constant problems that bring constant land disputes. Like, there was a land dispute, like, at this time period recently for them. Um, And Japan is heavily seen as, like, an extension of the U.S. Because the U.S., 
occupied Japan for a very long time and were still heavily in Japan. Like, their military was all mm. over Japanese land. And so it was very much seen as, like, Russia could blow up a U.S. base, but they're blowing up Japan. <laughs> like, yeah, the Japanese so... people were terrified of being hit by another nuclear attack. Oh, God. Um, and so between that and there is a bunch of financial success for other monster films and King Kong had gotten the re-release. They were like, let's make a monster movie with that as the idea. Uh, Godzilla is a metaphor. Godzilla is a metaphor. (laughs) (laughs) Hey guys, this big monster, he's a metaphor for (laughs) nuclear (laughs) Nuclear disasters. Um, my dad was born in Japan the year this movie came out. Oh, really? Yeah, because my dad, my my grandpa was stationed in Japan during mm. in 1954. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, um, but we don't know how this happened. But my dad was not born on the base. Okay. So he's got a Japanese birth certificate. There's a lot of mystery. <laughs> we don't have any answers. Um, and they like, we're on the hunt. The new mystery. <laughs> <laughs> the new mystery. <laughs> so he has a Japanese birth certificate. This came up when one his name was wrong because his name on his birth certificate is larry but all of his like other papers said lawrence so there was like this whole thing a couple years ago where it's like your name is legally just larry like oh yeah it is it is legally just larry so it's like one your name is legally just larry and like my dad is trying to where is he trying to go canada i think there's like maybe a job in canada and then my mom was just like you you your name's, you have a Japanese birth Your name's Larry. <laughs> and you're not Japanese. <laughs> I mean, legal, so. legally, he might be Japanese. <laughs> yeah, legally. We have no clue. We don't have answers. Uh, I mean, Japan keeps great family records, so he might be oh. somewhere. He's in a record wherever the city he was born in, written down as Larry, question mark, probably. Question mark. <laughs> I know it was, I think it was Fukuoka. That's, that I do maybe know. That's that's incredible. <laughs> yeah, so that's a little interesting history. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was an interesting time for Japan. Um, mm-hmm. There is like there were a lot of fears. Like Japan did a lot of not great stuff in this time period that gets glossed over a lot when we talk about Japan, especially like being yeah. Americans. Like we don't know, we're not taught that history. No. Um, like I know about the Japanese Indonesian. Uh, uh, occupation through God through like what I knew about Godzilla. Like I I learned about it when I was like, wait, Japan invaded Indonesia? Oh shit! Look at that. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so all this is going on, and these filmmakers like Godzilla gets seen a lot as like monster movie, and that's, I mean that's what we get a lot here. Like when they make American Godzilla movies, like people are like, I want to see big monsters fight, and that's cool, but that yeah. isn't what they were intending to make. And granted, they did no. make, like, more fun movies and movie gears towards kids and stuff. But, like, in between all that stuff, like I said, they made 15 films in that first span of movies. Um, and there are still handfuls that are like, all right, well, we're going to make a serious one. Like, we make two movies a year. One of them's going to be serious this year. And Toho's like, yeah. oh, okay, that's fine. Um, but I was when we make, like, one where there's, like, little baby Godzilla and it'll be cute for the kids. I'm like, yeah, yeah sure, whatever. Like, it, it's the idea, like, they did both. Um, yeah. And so it's, it, I don't know, it's very interesting. They, so the way we ended up even with the Godzilla suit was because of money. <laughs> <laughs> uh, they, like, he wanted, uh, he, he, uh, Tsubura. Uh, 
Suburaya. 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 Everyone, Austin knows that they're making a mistake. Yeah, uh, Suburaya. It's just a longer last name. Yeah, Austin has studied Japanese. Oh, yeah. So. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a real, I'm weeb, weeb till I die. (laughs) But I think we both had it where, like, we both know how to say Japanese names, but, like, Mm -hmm. there's that, like, the little fear, like, <laughs> yeah, it's all. It's always like I look at it. I'm like, what if I say it wrong? No, you know what yeah. that. You know what that says. Mm, you can say it, Jeff. <laughs> <laughs> it's like don't fuck up the R. Don't fuck up the R. Don't fuck up the R. But Superaya, he he wanted because the idea before was like everyone's doing stop motion monster movies. That's how you did it. Um, yeah, like the Harryhausen method. Yep. Like, from Jason and the Argonauts and. Um, all those classes. That's just how it works. But yeah, due to money and what they uh, had access to, it wasn't going to be feasible. So Subaraya introduced like this idea of like a man in a latex suit and he would build miniature sets. And it's called it's called now shoot suit mo shoot suit mation like animation but with suits. Oh, this is something they pioneered and like that's it's like a whole part of like. I mean, we know it, Brenda, from, like, kaiju films. We know it from Power Ranger shows, other mm-hmm. Japanese action shows. Like, that is... Yeah, this this was groundbreaking. Yeah, the, like, people didn't do this. And his... So, Subaraya... I'm going to talk a little bit about the Golden Trio. Subaraya was seen as, like, an absolute master of making miniatures. He oh. he worked on a film called The War at Sea, which was uh, a movie made during, still, World War II that was about the... Pearl Harbor attacks and other war battles that had been going on at that time. It was propaganda. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> but uh, none of it was real. But General MacArthur, who is the... He was the general for the U.S. Army and then led the occupation of Japan and for a while was essentially the dictator of Japan, which America doesn't talk about. Like, we were basically like, hey, Japan, you can't have an emperor. That's wrong. Here's a dictator. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> You should vote for people. We'll shoot you if you don't. Here's a dictator who is going to make sure you listen. <laughs> Wait. <laughs> anyway. Wait a second. A Joe MacArthur, among other things he had, being a dictator, uh, had a group of people who just found Japanese films that they saw as propaganda and, like, tried to destroy them or, like, give them over, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, when they found the war at sea... Uh, Tsuburaya's miniature work for the sets were so good, they thought he had reeled film from the Pearl Harbor attacks. Really? And these, again, these are real soldiers, everyone, who were just in a real war and saw real battles, and they thought his fake planes and, like, battleships on, like, probably a pool of water in a set somewhere were, like, real attacks that they just hadn't seen or didn't have record of. Shit. Oh my god. So, so what do they think that like they just stuck a camera to one of the planes? I don't, but, like... I don't know. I'm like, what do you? Okay, so you guys, you you think you you hey, you think while they were conducting just a absolute bananas attack on a country they know is stronger than them, they also had a guy with a camera and that he made it out. <laughs> yeah, it's like the planes that that no no one really made it out. Uh, oh. like, like, I'm not here to talk about right and wrong in a war, but 
I'm gonna I'm gonna even level with you. No one was filming it. <laughs> yeah, I think like that wasn't the priority, and I think like that would be something difficult to pull off today. Yeah, today's technology. <laughs> but absolutely. So that that is like to speak of like how good he was. Wow. Um, in his 50 year career, he worked on roughly 250 films. God, <laughs> that's incredible. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, he is known for creating suit suitmation, and he also the, he, which he got an award for. Uh, yes. He also is known. He developed an optical printer for widescreen pictures that he called the Toho Versatile System. Oh. Uh, it was first used in 1959 for a movie called The Three Treasures, which was about the like the mythical origins of Japan. Um, mm-hmm. The Three Treasures, everyone are like these three legendary relics in Japan that they still have today that they claim are like. Proof of this, like, mythical origin of, like, the emperor being from the gods and, like, proof of the imperial family's right to rule. There's, like, a sword, there's, like, a crown and a fan. Um, (laughs) And I couldn't find out a lot about this thing, like, this thing he made, but I I know what an optical printer is because I have Google. Um, (laughs) An optical printer is a device consisting of one or more film projectors mechanically linked to a movie camera. It allows filmmakers to re-photograph one or more of the strips in the film. Uh, it's used for making oh. special effects for motion pictures or copying or storing old film material. So, he made that as film moved into like wider screen releases, um, so he could keep doing his like special effects work. Because uh, Toho, Tsuburaya was pretty outspoken that Toho loved to save money. And so he didn't yeah. have access to a lot of, like, newer technology, so he just was like, I'll just make stuff then, that's cheaper. Yeah. And it works. Nice. <laughs> um, Subaraya also started Subaraya Productions, which is most known for creating the Ultra series. Uh, more specific, like, Ultraman, and those, all of, all of those films, all of those heroes, all of those baddies, which is, uh, another huge one. Everyone, I, we don't get, like, fucking Power Rangers without Subaraya. No. Because, like, Ultraman is just, like, the proto-Power Ranger. Yeah. There's, like, this weird resurgence of Ultraman in the United States right now. Mm-hmm. Like, Kyle Higgins is writing, who was previously writing Power Rangers and had that really good run on Power Rangers, mm-hmm. is writing a Ultraman series right now. Yeah. Like, a comic book series. Ultraman's cool. Is, why? Yeah, Ultraman's cool. Okay, quick aside. Mm-hmm. Maybe we'll talk about uh, Jet Jaguar later. He looks so much like Ultraman. What's up with that? I don't know who that is. Oh, you don't know who that is? No. Then we won't. We'll come back to that later. <laughs> <laughs> no, who is J- Jaguar? Wait, you don't know. Wait, okay. I can't wait. All I right. mean, I have a computer. You tell the group people about J- Jaguar. Well, I don't know too much. He's like a robot. He looks like Ultraman. I'm googling this. Oh. Because. Okay. I've only seen like a little bit. Yeah, he looks. He's like. This oh, robot he's from man. a Godzilla film. His nickname is Robot Man. <laughs> he's big. Yeah, he's from Godzilla films. He first appeared in Godzilla vs. Megalon. I've never seen... I haven't seen... I have not seen every Godzilla... Wait, there's a there's a question. Is Ultraman Jet Jaguar? Yeah, because they look pretty, like, similar. Like, Ultraman just kind of feels like a more polished version of Jet Jaguar. Okay, his, his design is based on Ultraman. Oh, okay. So, alright. That's... And it is... We solved it is It is Toho, um... I mean, it was released in 73, and Subaraya, I believe, died in 1970. Mm. I should have that written down. I know he has passed. Um, 
I threw a, a wrench in the in the flow. No, 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 you're great. Yeah, he passed in 1970, so, like, it's based on, you know, it's Toho, which was the company he worked, like, he worked with him, his company, Tsuburaya Productions and Toho. Um, mm-hmm. Jet Jaguar is based on a character he made, Ultraman, because Ultraman is, like, his entirely, like, he made all the Ultraman stuff, all the original stuff himself. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, I mean, that... You know, I don't know uh, how his family may have felt about that or how uh, people felt about it at the time. But it does look like they just about, they're like, yeah, it's based on Ultraman. Uh, so I wouldn't be shocked if it was meant to be more of like an homage to their friend. Because, I mean, these three that created Godzilla together and were like the Toho Golden Trio were like also really good friends. Uh, yeah. Tsuburaya passed the earliest in 1970 from... Um, Actually, there wasn't... It didn't list what he passed away from. He is, like... he's. It's one of those people, like, he was really famous, but not a lot's known about him. Like, they don't... We don't have his official birthday, even. Because mm. oh. uh, he didn't know his official birthday, it looked like. Oh. Uh, it was just like, I was born. Yeah, well, I mean... <laughs> she gets crazy when your country's firebombed. Sometimes stuff gets yeah, that's, lost. That's absolutely fair. <laughs> it's like, there's no time. Um... So, yeah, because I've seen some list his birthday as July 7th and some list his birthday as July 1st. Uh, but that's neither here nor there. But he was just, like, an app, like, 250 films, everyone, in 50 years is, like, he he literally worked on these films and this and Ultraman until he passed away. Like, he was working on a movie actively. Wow. Um, Ishiro Honda was the director, as I spoke earlier, and one of this golden trio. He... His big thing, he worked on, again, uh, a lot of the Godzilla films, not every Godzilla film, until he passed away. Uh, he came back for some films, and he was big in Toho, but his more interesting thing, I think, is uh, Honda was a film, was a really good film with Akira Kurosawa. Ah. Uh, he was actually, for Akira Kurosawa's last five films that he made before he passed away, he worked as a consultant. Mm-hmm. A coordinator and advisor to Kurosawa. Oh. There is, allegedly, it's believed that for Kurosawa's film Dreams, which was a big, big production, it had people like George Lucas and Steven Spielberg attached to it in the 90s, uh, that Honda directed one of the segments on his own, because Dreams has a bunch of vignettes about dreams that supposedly Kurosawa had, like, reoccurring throughout his life. Oh, that's interesting. Uh, And so I think it's, and I bring this up, and I bring up these people because... So often, I feel like in the West, Godzilla is just monster movie, and you don't think about, like, the art that goes into that, but, like, these these people were, like, masters of their craft. Like, everyone knows Akira Kurosawa, if you are, like, a film fan. For Especially white guys. <laughs> <laughs> have you seen, oh, have you seen, me, have, seven, you have you seen Seven <laughs> Samurai? Um... <laughs> I can just I can just hear Brenda getting hit on at every everything she's at. Oh, you like Japan? You like movies? Have you seen Have you seen Seven Samurai? You, you should. It's a pretty good I, film. Uh, we we could watch it. You might not have heard of it. We could watch it in my apartment sometime. <laughs> I have the Criterion Collection version. <laughs> oh, you like anime? Well, have you heard of a little known film called Akira? <laughs> No, I haven't. What's that? 
Oh, it's pretty cool. It's not like that, like, lame Ghibli stuff, though. It's, like, very dark, you know? Oh, uh, did you know that Hayao Miyazaki worked for the company that made Akira? <laughs> I don't... And it's so Takahata, wow! I don't, I don't think that's right. I don't... <laughs> yeah, totally! Did you know the opening Inspector Gadget? <laughs> Hayao Miyazaki worked on that! <laughs> Oh my god, but yeah, like... Do you know they, they also worked on Animaniacs? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I don't like anime. I like Ghibli films. Oh, uh, but aren't they anime? Uh, hey, you tell Miyazaki, he will stab you. He will literally stab you. <laughs> you said anime was a mistake? <laughs> I mean, well, who's gonna sit that old man down one day and be like, you know you make anime? No, 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 no. I make animation no. films. Dad, please. <laughs> hi, hi, let me, uh, anime is short for animation. <laughs> what? <laughs> Nani the fuck? <laughs> he, he calls the creator of Gundam, we made anime! <laughs> <laughs> it, it's us! Anime is short for animation! And that's what we fucking do! <laughs> Why didn't anyone tell me? <laughs> <laughs> this whole time, I said anime was a mistake! Oh and God. I make it! <laughs> Ooh. Shit. <laughs> so, yeah, it was just, it's just to point out, like, Tsuburaya invented two things for film. Uh, Honda worked with easily, not worked with, Honda was sought after as an advisor and consultant to easily the most famous Japanese live action director of all time. <laughs> like, mm -hmm. Kurosawa called him and was like, my old friend, I need your help for these movies. I don't know what I'm doing. Like, that... So, that's just absolutely amazing. Uh, and to whew, Tomoyuki Tanaka uh, was kind of the original brainchild. Like he he thought up like the original ideas of Godzilla as the producer. Um, as like a monster movie about nuclear war and the horrors of like super weapons and the battle against nature. Uh, he said in 1985 about Godzilla, talking about the past. In those days, Japan had a real horror of radiation, and that horror is what made Godzilla so huge. From the beginning, he has symbolized nature's revenge on mankind. Um, I love it. He, so, again, these, Tsuburaya and Tanaka were, like, both loyal, like, company men, quote-unquote. Like, they worked at Toho for forever. Um, mm -hmm. In 60 years with Toho, uh, Tanaka made 200 films. Wow. And he produced... Every single Toho monster movie until his death, also in 1970. God, what a legacy. Yeah. Like, Toho was like, we're making a monster Even if it wasn't Godzilla, Toho's like, we're making a monster movie, Tanaka has to be on it, because he is he is going to knock it out of the park. Yeah. Tanaka it out of the park. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, everybody, great episode. Uh, I'll see All right, you. Alright, <laughs> fine. Now you know about Godzilla. Okay, bye. <laughs> um, yeah, but I mean, it... I don't know. Godzilla is just great. Um, so the original film, Brenda, I know you said you mentioned hadn't seen it. Um, mm -hmm. It has a lot of talking. There's a lot of talking and not a lot of Godzilla-ing that people may want. Like, it's like this thing uh, I haven't seen in a while, but it takes place over the course of a few nights. Like, every night Godzilla wakes up and destroys part of Tokyo. Um, Japan. Yeah, part of Japan. Uh they try and set up, like, an electrical fence with the Japanese self-defense fund forces because Japan, again, 
This is set in Japan. Japan was not allowed to have an army. America said, you can't have an army. Here's our army. They'll tell you what to do. <laughs> and they can't stop Godzilla. Yeah, and they can't stop Godzilla. Uh, they try setting up the fence to stop him. They, you know, try attacking him. Uh, losing ships at sea. Uh, they are running out of ways to try and stop Godzilla. They find that uh, there's a scientist who has this thing called an oxygen destroyer, which disintegrates oxygen, at- which disintegrates oxygen atoms and causes organisms to die of a rotting as- asphyxiation. Jeez, it's so scary. Yeah. Um. G- granted, the reasoning and like why he has it isn't great, <laughs> but the si- no! the scientist is like he's like no, I'm not giving. He's like terrified of it becoming a super weapon. Yeah. Uh, he, I, I think he, de- he developed it as something about like trying to stop hydrogen bombs and stuff. Um, so, but they're like, we can take it and release it underwater and kill Godzilla. And he's like, no, we'll like people will get it and turn it into a weapon, and it'll, we'll have another like bombing on our hands. This is fair. And so he realizes there's only one way to do it. He agrees. He then burns up all of his plans of the oxygen destroyer, so no one can make a new one. Mm-hmm. Um. And then he he's like, I'll go unload the device on Godzilla. And when he goes to unload the device on Godzilla, he cuts his own air supply, so he dies. So no one can make him make one. Another one. Boy. Uh, That's heavy. And so everyone's, like, excited that they stopped Godzilla. But it's, it's, like, it's about this idea of they couldn't stop a monster without sacrifice. And it gets yeah. to the idea of, like, the horrors of war and nuclear fallout and atomic bombing on people is, like... You have to lose something to like do this thing, yeah. And so through that, they lose this just this person who represents like a lot of this fight and this pushback against these this bomb, which is Godzilla. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it kind of seems like it's it was the only way. Like there was no way he didn't do that. And I feel like there is. They have been trying that with these newer Godzilla American films, um, and Shin Godzilla. Uh, yeah. The. New newer American ones have only seen the first one, mm-hmm. but they kind of try to do that. But it, as a lot of American movies tend to do, leads more towards uh, military propaganda. Yes, it's very military propaganda. <laughs> both, which I'm so sick of. Both films are very military. The second film is still military propaganda. It's still like okay, because like it's just that one military Brian Cranston's son, whatever. Yeah, God, sick of it. Pitch Perfect Three is military. Propaganda. what yeah my friend what <laughs> I have one friend who's like very into like the pitch perfect series and then my other friend who's like very uh like against like military propaganda who like told him he's just like yeah the third one is just all military propaganda pitch perfect like what is the goal there <laughs> what's that's i think you've misjudged your demographic that's wild yeah it gets wild here guys <laughs> <laughs> Uh, guess how long it took them to write the screenplay for the first Godzilla film? Oh, a week. Three weeks. Three weeks! Three weeks. I keep lowballing it, but I just know how fast this production was. Yeah, uh, three weeks. Um, the original story, so not the screenplay, but the story of, like, what it was gonna be, was 50 pages long, and they wrote it in 11 days. One of the writers did, was like, here's the story. (laughs) Um, I've been trying to write one chapter of a fan fiction for three weeks now. Hey, I mean, <laughs> I it, everyone on this team was just like keyed in. Uh, they were like they they were just all yeah. like this is this is gonna work. Um, they also they wanted the because the first film is filmed very like dark because so originally uh, 
the Japanese-Indonesian co-production they were going to make in The Shadow of Glory was going to be Toho's first in-color film. Really? Yeah, but they didn't have their... Because there was a co-company in Indonesia... Uh, that was going to... Ah. Perifini that was going to like help with costs, so they were going to have it in color, and they were going to shoot on location in Indo- Indonesia. So that was going to help with costs, because like, the Indonesian government was going to give them like a break for like being there, and they the money was worked out to be in color. Money was not worked out for Godzilla to be in color. <laughs> Godzilla's lucky it got to <laughs> Godzilla <into> production. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so what they did was they wanted it to feel like it was real. And mm. with the help of Subaraya, I mean, the first Godzilla film, it it is dated, like you're watching something from the 50s, but it's good quality, and it feels like it's a real news report about, like, Godzilla attacking again the night before. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't remember where I was going with that. They wrote the film really quick. Uh, where was I going with that? I don't know. They wrote the film really quick. I think that's where I was going with that. <laughs> Speedy. Speed. Um... Yeah, I don't know. Godzilla is a very interesting creation that they made. Um, when, so, the like I mentioned, Akira Takarada was the actor who plays... Um, he's like a Navy diver in the film. Um, mm-hmm. He was interviewed by Brett Hom- Homnick. But it's a series called Vantage Point Interviews, where it's conversations in oral history. So he interviewed Akira Takarada um, in 2004. 2012. <laughs> oh. oh, that's a big difference. And Takarada talked about, like, it was so interesting being in the film because it was in a media blackout. Like, when they wrote the yeah. film, they they sequestered themselves somewhere in Shibuya and didn't tell anyone what they were writing. Uh, oh. They didn't let any of the actors see the suit until they were going to film scenes with them where they were supposed to be reacting to seeing Godzilla for the first time. So they could, like feel it like they show them and then they like went to go film the scenes yeah so it was he said uh, about halfway through production so 50 days to like 20 like a month into filming this movie they're like oh hey you can now see the suit like no one had seen this suit besides the golden trio and like the stuntman that filmed in godzilla suit that was it Mm -hmm. uh the first suit was about two meters so like six feet tall on its own I don't know how tall Takarada is, everybody, but the average height for Japanese people is shorter than Americans, is all I'll say. Six, 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 a suit being as tall as me that's meant to look like a monster is pretty jarring. (laughs) Uh, Internally, I'm just like, wow, it's a foot taller than me. (laughs) (laughs) Because, like, when the person got in it, like, it was taller, because the person got in it and there's, like, stilts on it to be taller. Yeah, so. It's gotta be like around five feet. Yeah. There were stilts. So that is pretty jarring. Um he talked he talked really highly of like the creative team and everyone being very respectful of like each person on the Golden Trio team. Like anytime he had a question, they would be very thoughtful. He remembered asking uh Honda, the director, one time, like he was asking about like his motivation, like he was feeling he wasn't understanding the script. And mm-hmm. Honda was like, I'll get back to you. And he thought about it for like two or three days and then talked to him for like three hours. He couldn't remember what exactly he had trouble with, but he just remembered feeling very listened to when he was like a new young actor. Like he hadn't been in anything this big. Um, nice. Because like so often you hear like about like a lot of American productions that are like really popular mm-hmm. and famous. 
and you hear about like the methods that the directors went through like, get performances out of people mm-hmm. and it's all really like shitty and power rangers <laughs> i was specifically thinking of the birds oh yeah and every alfred hitchcock movie i i don't know every a lot about stanley kubrick movie alfred hitchcock. and what's that i don't know a lot about that man hitchcock that doesn't shock me oh he just harassed tippy hedron till the end of time oh good and like threw birds at her and did a lot of other <laughs> shitty stuff to her. What is hey, no more men. <laughs> no more men. <laughs> Scarlet Witch said it here. No more men. <laughs> you heard it here first, folks. <laughs> like we change our Twitter <laughs> Um Yeah, it's like um like the production of The Shining was like really shitty. Mm. And um that was really shitty. Oh, the uh a more recent one, I think it was The Depths, Depths, mm-hmm. which was a James Cameron one where, like, people had these big tanks of water and people, like, almost drown, like, really. Wow. So, hearing that, like, the director's, like, taking time to, like, explain the script and, like, what they were doing mm-hmm. and that, like, there's interesting methods of, like, revealing the monster and getting, like, that organic reaction, mm-hmm. but it's not in, like, an abusive, dangerous way. Right. It's, it was, like just like a legitimate reaction not like these people haven't eaten for like a week you know like right. just that shit happens on american movies and probably movies in other countries too i just live in america and i know like the shitty stories mm-hmm. about like a good chunk of our action movies and a good chunk of our horror movies have like these um histories to them right yeah i mean it's it's interesting because i feel like there are definitely issues in japan's creative circles i know like animators mm-hmm. and mangakas are like just yeah. like pushed to the absolute limit um, but a lot of times what I find for, like, film is, like, that film teams are pretty respectful, at least in, like, films that I know about offhand and, like, have researched, you know? Um, including mm-hmm. these Godzilla films. Uh, you want to hear about Godzilla's roar? Yeah! Uh, so, they had, they were f- struggling to figure out how to get the roar. Like, it's 1954, everybody. They didn't just have, like, a computer to be, like, sound generator, roaring monster like that didn't exist <laughs> and even even for those someone put that noise in there with something yeah um so the first godzilla roar was created after the composer for godzilla akira ikafu i fukube ikfukube uh brought up the idea of like using instruments because animals just weren't cutting it like they were like we'll use an animal and like remix it you know wasn't working yeah so the first godzilla roar is a double bass bass they got some old gloves covered in pine tar resin and just rubbed it across the bass strings. God, I just love how <laughs> old sounds. I like how the, the lightsaber sound is just like someone taking a hammer to like, what was it? The oh yeah, uh, the thing that holds up the phone yeah, yeah, line. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, uh, is it called it? Not a tell. It wasn't the pole. No, the, it's like the thing that holds up the pole. Yeah, I don't know what that's called. The, those things that hold up the pole. <laughs> you know, the thing with the pole and you know. You know, the t- tethers? The, the tethers? Any, anyway, yeah. if you hit that with a hammer, <laughs> it sounds like a lightsaber. kind of a Because they, yeah. they still do editing work to it and, like, clean it up. But it's <laughs> interesting to think, like, somewhere there was some person, probably the composer, like, was wearing these gloves and just, like, rubbing them against a base. <laughs> just rubbing these these tar gloves on everything, being like, what will make my the noise I need? <laughs> Sound effects are absolutely wild like you know like crackling is like someone just taking a bunch of crackers in front of a microphone yeah. and just smashing them and it's, 
fascinating. It's I remember uh, Nickelodeon had these shorts in between shows that showed like them doing foley work for like the wild thornberries, mm-hmm. and it was absolutely bananas. There was like one where it was like a person in like slippers walking on like plastic bottles for like grass <laughs> noise or something, and I like in my head I'm like. Why don't they just walk in grass? But, like, when you walk in grass, it doesn't sound like cartoon grass. Like, that's not how grass yeah, sounds. Like it's, cartoon grass has its own noise. Mm-hmm. And cartoon doors have their own noise. And it's just like we have this history of cartoon noises that aren't noises that happen. <laughs> but, like, so, like, when people get, like, punched in a movie or, like, a cartoon, like, that's not what, like, I was like, I did martial arts for, like, uh, 10, 11 years or something. And, like, that's not how punches sound. Punches don't make noise. Yeah. It's every so often you'll get like kind of a dull thud. <laughs> you'll, Usually it sounds like nothing. You hear your knuckle pop. <laughs> yeah, you'll hear a bone. Like, that's about it. Um, So another interesting thing I had about the Roars is the 2014 team that worked on the American Godzilla film, the Cranston one. 2014? Okay, everybody. <laughs> I'll see ya. I'm just going to take my headphones <laughs> Uh, they will, they have, will not tell people how they got their roar. Really? It, they've kept it completely media blackout secret. Only the sound team knows. Like, not even the other team members, like the sound team and the executive producer know, and that's it. <laughs> they, they gave people some hints. Uh, they did some, they said in, involved frictional noises, so rubbing against, like, rusted metal. Mm-hmm. And they also told people they did take ambience from a Rolling Stones concert. Oh my god. <laughs> Sound teams are like, like who was like, I have an idea. Get me a ticket to the Rolling Stones. I must go see the Stones. <laughs> Why wow, you're working? It is work. Um, I didn't write it down, but they they like told people the like the Rolling Stones at like a specific venue was like the idea they had for like the echo effect. Um, a specific venue. How do you? I don't even think of that. I don't, so, people who work in sound are. The, so powerful. Their brains just operate on a different level. They'll hear you like snap and they'll be like, I know how to take you and 40 other people snapping asynchronously and make it sound like a cheetah roar. And you're like, what are you fucking talking about? What the hell? <laughs> how, there's no way that'll work. And then it works and you're like, what? I don't. How? <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, it's. it's. I thought it was interesting because the roar, the roar in the American films and new ones is pretty good. Yeah, it it it, sh- it shakes you. It's it's pretty good. It fits the design they made for that Godzilla with him being like thicker, because um, <laughs> it sounds like it. If you've never heard it, everyone, you can go listen to a clip of it like right now. Just like Google Godzilla mm-hmm. twenty fourteen or whatever. Um, but it very much sounds like it's like echoing out of Godzilla's chest and like rattling up their bones. Um, yeah. It it sounds like it's like coming from something. Uh a lot of Godzilla's iconic roars that you may hear in like other films for like homages or whatever are from the like sixties and seventies with like the high pitched like shriek noise. Mm-hmm. Um The one I imitated. The earlier. one you, that's like the one people think of is like the <laughs> <laughs> That's like the sixties and seventies. Uh more modern day roars have like more bass to them to like invoke mm-hmm. that monster feeling and we have the technology yeah it's like we can do whatever we want um the last time they used a suit for a godzilla film that i could find was 1950 wow 1995 
I was just like, now wait a second. 1955. <laughs> yeah, 1995, uh, Godzilla vs. Destroya. And mm-hmm. the first suit to inv- to have a air vent was 1994. Because they had uh, oxygen problems. <laughs> People in the suit uh, later on that probably felt more comfortable talking about the issues on set with the suit talked about uh, oxygen de- deprivation, near drowning for water scenes, concussions, electrical shocks when they added animatronics, uh, lacerations to the legs from the steel wire to reinforce the suit. Uh, the suit is really cool. Uh, yeah. I'm glad we have the technology to not do that to people. <laughs> yeah, it's like, hey, even furries know you have to have a vent in your Yeah, suit. it's... Uh, yeah, so there's 98 where they use the the reptile look at, you know, the the one. I hate him. <laughs> He's my enemy. They tried to motion capture him first, but then it just, they he just looked like a dude. They're like, well, that's not going to work. Because <laughs> it was just a This can't be a dude. <laughs> there is some um, suit work for, like, up-close shots. Uh, I will say, in that movie, the baby Godzillas, that's all suits, and those look really good. Those do look good. Uh, they did a good job with those. And then, you know, Shin Godzilla CGI, the 2014, and whatever the other one came out for the American one is CGI. Um, mm-hmm. They've started doing motion capture for it. Like, they put someone in, like, a half suit and do some motion capture for some of Godzilla's movements. But we're pretty firmly in, like, CGI world now for Godzilla. And I don't think... I don't think that's bad. I think yeah. it's amazing what they did with the suit work. And if you like suitmation, I mean, there's... There's the Power Ranger franchise, or the Sentai series, if you want to watch the Japanese ones. There's the Ultraman series, and there's a bunch of other Japanese, mm-hmm. like, TV production that still does suit work because budgets are lower, and it's they're not in suits as long as, like, a movie production. Yeah, it's, like, it's still got a place, like, especially in, like, Sentai series, mm-hmm. where they don't have the money to make good CGI. Mm-hmm. A suit's easier, and it's, yeah, like you said, not going to be in the suit quite as much, mm-hmm. so. And maybe there's also, like, just newer technology that allows them to have, like, oxygen there <laughs> you know, i like maybe they just won't suffocate i like people to breathe <laughs> breathing is very important to human um, life and pretty much all life on this planet except maybe fish no they they breathe water right like there's oxygen oh. in the water they just can breathe yes. they can like filter the water we we can't our lungs just get full of water and their lungs are like but no don't keep the water though what no you don't can, you like, don't spin. you don't want the water you don't want the you don't want the water <laughs> Um, Fish are more powerful than us. Yeah. Hey, everyone, I've been seeing a lot of... Real quick, we're on Godzilla. Godzilla's in the water. Can we please stop diving deeper into... Because every time we go deeper, someone's like, I found this thing that looks like kelp, but it actually has the same mouth as a xenomorph. Okay, let's not. Okay? Let's put that back. (laughs) And then they're like, we found a weird bug in the Antarctic. And it's like, what are you doing up there? Stop it. (laughs) Just stop it. Like... Nothing lives there for a reason. Everybody, there are colossal squids. There are squids where they have found the arms of them. They've never found one alive. The arms of them that are, like, as long as city blocks. Yeah, we know they're out there because we found dead ones. (laughs) But we've never seen one that was not dead. To this day, all the technology we (laughs) We have. We haven't seen it. We have not seen. We don't don't know how big they can get because we've never seen. We find babies that are as big as people. Yeah. They fight. And then they get. They they fight whales and win. They win. They eat them whole. They, like a snack. they find sperm whales and like, oh yeah, must have fought a colossal squid. Hey everybody, 
There's some there's there is something down there that Colossal Squid are in competition with, and I'm just saying it could technically be Godzilla. It could just be Godzilla down there. <laughs> we don't fucking know. Let's let's just thank the ocean for letting us swim in it sometimes and leave the rest of it alone. Mm-hmm. Yeah, let's let's forget the ocean. Let's forget space. <laughs> let's just, let's just how about we just focus on the places in this world that we can live in? We found a weird radio signal in space. Leave it. Hey. Leave it. We, we don't need to know what it is. Leave it alone. Please. Don't touch it. Um, the, Maybe it's because we put internet on the moon. <laughs> Let's put internet on the moon. Why? We're getting weird signals from the internet on the moon. Yeah, why did... Why are... What a, what's the... Stop. St- stop. Hey, a lot of the world still doesn't have internet. How about we give, like, the people who don't have internet, internet? No. You guys... Internet on the so moon. So you guys just told me you could put internet on the moon. Could I... Could I please get my buddy Brenda better internet speed? Like, you, <laughs> you put internet on the moon. It's like, I don't live in the middle of nowhere. You gotta move to the moon. Apparently, I have to move to the moon. <laughs> I have to move... No, okay, no, work. absolutely not. Get, get out of here. Uh... <laughs> so the thing I think is interesting is Godzilla is credited with this uh, brand of live action film and TV drama called Tokatsu, Tokasatsu. Toku. <sighs> Tokusatsu? Yes. Thank you. Yeah. Um, I get, hey everyone, I get really nervous. I'm so sweaty whenever it's like my turn in the hot seat. I get, I like sweat <laughs> the entire time. I'm like, I'm going to ruin this for Brenda. <laughs> Austin, you're doing great. Austin has studied Japanese. Yeah. And a lot of Japanese history, too. So this is all just nerves, because I know, it, in, from the bottom of my heart, Austin can't say all yeah. of these things. Uh, so, well, and so I know about Tokusasu because of my history stuff, because its origins is earlier than Godzilla. It actually has roots from Kabuki and Bunaku. Kabuki, I'm sure everyone knows, mm-hmm. Bunaku is puppet theater, essentially. Uh, not mm-hmm. to get too into it. But it really took shape with Tsuburaya, Honda, Godzilla, um, there's the suitmation and the, that use of special effects. A lot of that is inspired by traditional theater where they use puppetry and stage play special effects to create like monster fights and minis and that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I don't know what I really love about Japanese media is a lot of stuff you can trace back to like traditional theater. And they're like, I wanted to bring that to the big, to the big screen, so to speak. Um, but Godzilla is a phenom. I mean, he's a cultural ambassador. He's got comics. He's got cartoons. Or she? I I think Godzilla right now is a she because the '98 Godzilla was a she, and I think it's still she. Um, is it? I think I'm gonna. I don't like key in too much to the American and the Shin Godzilla. I don't remember what they said. I think Shin Godzilla. It's like it's Godzilla, and we're not worried about what gender Godzilla is. Yeah, it's like. Let's just use they for Godzilla. Uh, so Godzilla is just like a powerhouse of phenomena. I mean, it, like I said, without the Godzilla films, like you don't get kaiju movies. You don't get your, mm-hmm. you don't get Pacific Rim. Yep. Uh, we don't have the Power Rangers because Tsuburaya nope. doesn't make Ultraman if he doesn't get to work on Godzilla. Um, you don't get like a whole, like I could go on like Kamen Rider, uh, mm-hmm. What some people credit it with, like us getting bigger Astro Boy productions. Uh, yeah, there, there is like so much that the world doesn't get if 
they don't make Godzilla. Um, and I think what usually gets to me, like, why I want to do Godzilla is, like, when it was Godzilla Day, and I've been thinking about doing Godzilla for a while, but it's just, like, mm-hmm. kind of like, I mean, I guess I always bring to the table stuff like Blade. Like, people remember Blade. I'm like, but you understand how important Blade was? Like, I don't think people understand how important the Godzilla film franchise was, or the first Godzilla movie was. Yeah. Because everyone knows Godzilla. Mm-hmm. Like, it's just such a prevalent part of, like, you know, even in America, like, it's we make American Godzilla comics, and we make American Godzilla cartoons, mm-hmm. and, um, you know, it's like a, not a good joke, but it's like a common joke that, like, you would put, like, uh, Zilla on the end of, like, something big, like, Catzilla yeah. or something like that. Like, that's just close. And that's, that's unique to the United States. Mm-hmm. The Zilla part. Right. That's us. We did that. We did that. <laughs> we, uh, you're welcome, Godzilla. <laughs> you're welcome. Gojira. Gojira. <laughs> the king of monsters. Um... I mean, it's like the thumbprints all over. There is a... I haven't watched it. There's a Legends of Tomorrow episode that plays homage to Ishio Honda, where Ooh. the heroes of that save him. They, <laughs> save, okay. they save him from a giant octopus monster. Oh and God. one of them tells, like, in the whole the bit at the end, is like, forget about that octopus. You should think about lizards. And the character that's playing Honda is like, I like that. A lizard. A lizard king of monsters. <laughs> Jesus. What is Legend of Tomorrow? Like, I know what it is, but, like, what is it? Like, I so... have no idea. I, I think they gave them, like, a bunch of toys to play with, and they just... they You know what? Power... They're just living their life. Yeah, they're just doing whatever the hell they want. <laughs> it's like, got a couple, like, C-tier DC superheroes just doing whatever the hell they want through time and C-team space. C-team hero like, and, a, and a dream. <laughs> It's still going, which is wild, because I was pretty sure it would get canceled. I don't know who who watches it. Who? I don't watch it. But yet. <laughs> <laughs> yet, I'm curious. Um, But yeah, it's just, like, it's so interesting that, like, because here it's very much completed with, like, big monster movie. And there are some Godzilla mm-hmm. books, like, comics, and, like I said, the newer movies, like, trying to do something. But... I don't know, I always go back to, like, I don't know if we're allowed to do that, like, if we're allowed to conflict Godzilla with our issues and our worries of, like, because in yeah. newer films, it's, like, very climate change heavy. It's, mm-hmm. like, the, like, I, I don't, I've only seen the Brian Cranston one once that wakes up Godzilla. Me too. But I think it's, like, a climate change angle is, like, what wakes up Godzilla. Like, Godzilla is, like, a... it's, like, the Earth's protector equalizer kind of thing. Like, things are too wackadoo, so Godzilla's awake. Yeah, Godzilla, like, the balance. It's pretty much like Pokemon the movie, too. (laughs) The climate gets, like, off-kilter, and Lugia has to awaken and restore balance. Yeah, it's, like, something like that. The one after that, I watched uh, this year before... This is before I was properly informed about COVID, everyone. I went to to C2E2 when American media was telling us not, not to worry, and I was like, don't worry. Okay. And the scientists were like, wear a mask. And I was like, okay, wear a mask. Got it. <laughs> All right. I, my cosplay mask. Got I it. I wake up every day and I'm like, I could have died. Uh, <laughs> I, yeah. <laughs> but I at C2E2 in the hotel room, I watched the newer Godzilla American film while my friends were like putting their cosplays on and stuff. And, mm-hmm. you know, watching it for free in a hotel room wasn't bad. Um... It was very much, like, big monster fight, but also about, like, 
still like balance like one of them had to be the king monster and it i it was fine it wasn't bad it was like we're gonna make a monster movie with a bunch of monsters and they're gonna fight but i don't know like even like they're making this godzilla king kong crossover in america and they're making like a godzilla pacific rim crossover i'm like those sound cool i don't like i don't know how i feel about us taking godzilla and just making like a big action film because that wasn't the idea even when they made more like slapstick comedic ones like it was like it was meant to be like a fun afternoon for kids kind of thing like it was never this like it's weird for what godzilla is and what the team wanted to be making and what they made and what they're like this is what we made and this is what we're saying for american Mm -hmm. teams to take it and be like it's our struggle with the environment. <laughs> yeah, it's it's just kind of not what it was originally. I don't... Yeah, it's like, I don't think we have the right to yeah. change what... Because Godzilla was a metaphor for nuclear war and violence and, like, d- the damage that it mm-hmm. could do. He was a physical manifestation of the damage that we did yeah. to Japan that we, and other parts of the that world. We act, that we actively had did... And then we're actively making them fear for as we hovered bombs above them to throw at Russia. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. You know, like, essentially, like, Godzilla, you know, stands for that damage, but it could also stand for the violence of the United mm-hmm. States. So I don't think that we have the right to just... To make a war propaganda. <laughs> yeah, to make our, our version of war propaganda. Like, we don't get to do that. Especially, like, by, like, changing the message, like having the war propaganda and then also just having the message be like climate change bad like mm-hmm. it it just doesn't feel good and the movies aren't i've only seen the brian cranston one and they aren't great mm-hmm. the beginning of the brian cranston one is fine mm-hmm. because it's kind of like the mystery like what is this like what's right. going on and then just immediately once brian cranston spoiler alert guys he, he dies. dies um <laughs> once brian cranston's gone it just becomes military propaganda because his son is in the military so he's like i'm gonna kill godzilla and then yeah. there's a there's the one Japanese guy who's like no, and he does like really bad accents, and I I mean he doesn't do bad accents. He's like he's a good, he's a good actor. actor. He's Ken Watanabe, yeah. and he is a he's good a great actor, actor. But yeah, unfortunately, he's always been like in America. He's been like shoehorned into being like the wise Japanese yeah. man with like the very dramatic accent. Dramatic accent. He just know he's mysterious, but knows a lot. But he speaks in parables only. Hmm. And it's like, what? Why, buddy? Yeah, it's... Why? I don't know. The Pacific Rim Godzilla movie, I'm like, that could be neat, because, like, the Pacific Rim robots are, like, war, and what if... Like, you know, like, I'm like, they could be... Every Godzilla movie, I'm like, they could say something, and then, like, they don't. And I'm like, okay. Yeah. (laughs) And the first Pacific Rim, I haven't seen the second one, but the first one, you know, says something. It's, like, a very good, solid film. And it's like, if we add Godzilla into that, what are we going to... Right what are we going to try to say? And it's like, I feel like in order to make that a good movie, you have to say mm-hmm. something. So, so that could go. Either so way. we'll see Godzilla versus King Kong supposed to come out this year. It obviously is not. <laughs> Supposedly. <laughs> it was supposed to come out in November. Um, and I say this as I realize I probably should have looked up what's up with that. So while I, I type in these words, Brenda, what's <laughs> what, how did, how do you have a favorite Godzilla time? You said you watch it with your dad. Yeah, like, my, we watched the Mothra movies together. Uh, that was pretty good. But we would watch the Hanna-Barbera Godzilla cartoon, uh, which is, like, very cheesy. The premise of this is that uh, there's, like, a bunch of, a group of kids, mm-hmm. and um, Godzuki, Godzilla's <laughs> Oh, <child>. you're right! <laughs> yeah. And 
like there's like monsters and so like the kids try to like solve the monster issue like themselves using like tricks clever tricks and stuff and then like every episode reaches a point where like we have to call godzilla and they like contact him like and then godzilla there's always like a montage of godzilla rising out of the water and the kids going just like there he is it's godzilla and then, <laughs> that's it <laughs> so we always, that's it that's pretty much it and we would watch that together um and then we were both really excited for the 98 earlier i said it was 96 and i was incorrect the 98 um roland emmerich uh, Matthew Broderick mm. American Godzilla movie where God's it's not a Godzilla movie like I've seen it since the 90s like now that I'm older and if you don't think of it as a Godzilla movie it's like a very quintessential Roland Emmerich film so like Roland mm-hmm. Emmerich is like the the guy who directs all of the disaster movies so it's a Godzilla movie that's a disaster film um and he tries in that one to do what he was doing with all of his movies at the time which is like the large cast of characters mm-hmm. so like for example independence day is one of these that a lot of people um that has like so many characters going on so you've got like the the washed up uh pilot you've got will smith you've got the president <laughs> got... wait 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 i like how the tropes are the washed up pilot the president will smith <laughs> <laughs> yeah will smith's character um you've got the the president's wife you've got will smith's girlfriend you've got um (laughs) oh uh who else is in there uh what's his name he was in jurassic park Mm. you know the one Mm. i can't help you who is he he's the guy he's the guy i I really can't help you i don't know this i don't (laughs) oh my god he's the guy we were talking about um independence day go oh uh Nope. <laughs> ah! All right, one second. Independent Day. Hey, everybody. The 1998 Godzilla listed monster co-stars are baby Godzillas. Oh. <laughs> That's it. Aww, the baby. Uh, Jeff Goldblum. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Jeff Goldblum's in there. He's like a reporter. And then you've got like his dad so like there's just this major cast and like they all independence day is a good example of like how this formula can go like it's not a great movie but can go better yeah. like every character has like motives you know what they are and mm-hmm. then the movie goes from there and it ends with will smith blowing up an alien but right. <laughs> an alien ship with a virus and um but uh godzilla doesn't quite do that no and so yeah so godzilla versus king kong uh, or Godzilla mm-hmm. vs. Kong, sorry, because King Kong vs. Godzilla is a 1962 film. It was pushed back to May 21st, 2021. It was going to release this November. It is the fourth film in Legendary's MonsterVerse. Uh, God, do people like King Kong? I, King Kong's fine. <laughs> he, I mean, I feel like America links on King Kong is like, he's like our Godzilla, and like he fucking wishes. <laughs> there. He wishes. Hey, he... everyone, to scale, there are 36 Godzilla films and 12 King Kong films, so... So, chill out <laughs> who's, who's better like king kong is just like not quite as interesting like in the first one he was a kind of like a i don't know what he was a metaphor not for. i don't know he climbs, he climbs buildings, buildings. yeah I, I don't know a lot about king kong um yeah i know like monster movie fans like again they liked especially american ones cling the kong like they cling the godzilla and i'm like hey whoa you better uh king kong is bronze at best chill out <laughs> yeah calm down it's like king kong is 
um, just like a King Kong attraction at Universal Studios. Mm-hmm. And it's just wild. They were like, they looked at it and like, what could we put a ride in? Like, what movie can we base a ride mm-hmm. on? And they're just like, mm, King, King Kong. Kong. New King Kong. Because <laughs> they had a King Kong ride. And then, and then it was like, you know, it was kind of a classic ride. It was like really well built mm-hmm. and really interesting. and had this giant animatronic King Kong. It was like cool. And then they took that out a while ago. Mm-hmm. Like, I've never been on it. That's how long ago it was. And then when they, like, started remaking Kong, they made a new King Kong ride, but it's all screams. Oh. And that's, like, a that's a big thing in, like, the right. parks right now is just, like, uh, practical effects versus mm-hmm. screams. So you have, like, the King Kong ride, and you have, like, the uh, refurbishment of the Jurassic Park mm-hmm. ride, and you have the Fast and the Furious ride, which is just, like, a tunnel of screams. Yeah, it's weird. And you, yeah. Listen. This doesn't have anything to do no, with No, no, I mean, it does, though, because... There's something to say about Godzilla and practical effects. It like in mm-hmm. monster movies in general, like there's something very visceral cuz like I don't like the 98 Godzilla, but they still did some practical stuff and the practical stuff looks very yeah. like props to that design team. Uh they didn't make mm-hmm. the movie, they just made the stuff and they made the stuff look good. <laughs> the movie is better if you don't view it as a Godzilla yeah. movie. And so like there's something to Godzilla and monster films, these like genre films we're talking about and practical effects like Mm-hmm. I feel like something the newer American films are missing are, like, those practical effects. Because Shin Godzilla does some animatronic work for close-ups. Mm-hmm. And... You can do really impressive things with animatronics. Yeah. Listen, call Brenda. She, she's she got you. <laughs> she's... She, <laughs> uh, this new film stars a bunch of people from between the King Kong movies that have come out and the Godzilla movies that have come out. Like, Millie Bobby Brown's in it again. Uh, Jack Black? Not Jack Black. They have Alexander Skarsgård as, like, the King Kong scientist. I'm like, oh, you wanted someone hot. Cool. Cool. <laughs> He's cool. a geologist who works closely with Kong. Skarsgård describes his character as a reluctant hero. I'm already bored by this guy. Here, whoa, whoa, uh, no, the it's... quote, not an alpha, not an alpha, but a badass. Jesus Christ. <laughs> I'm already sleeping. <laughs> well... Not gonna see that. I'm just gonna rewatch Happy Halloween Scooby. Uh, Millie Bally Bound's character is, uh, she as Godzilla and Kong battle, she goes on a journey to decide which of them she'll side with. Like she can turn the tides of this monster battle. <laughs> <laughs> Who do I like, Godzilla or King Kong? What are you talking about? <laughs> what? Hey, American filmmakers, what the fuck are you writing? What are you talking? Who? What do you mean? Am I Team Godzilla or Team King Kong? <laughs> and then she like goes to Hot Topic and buys a shirt that says Team Godzilla, and she's just like, "Yeah, get him! Get I'm just a sucker for that scaly Get him, Godzilla! King Kong smashes her." <laughs> the prim, the the premise in a time when monsters walk the earth, humanity's fight for the future sets Godzilla and Kong on a collision course that will see the two most powerful forces of nature on the planet collide in a spectacular battle for the ages. As Monarch, which is the war propaganda, uh, embarks on a perilous mission into uncharted ter- terrain and unearths clues to the Titan's origins, a human conspiracy threatens to wipe out the creatures, both good and bad, from the face of the Earth forever. I already know what their origin story is. <laughs> they were in love. Because <laughs> the whole thing for the last Godzilla film is like, there are these Titans and... Like, they do, like, on there's a brief screen where they're, like, looking at all the Titans waking up, and one of them is King Kong, like, in a jungle. Um, mm. And it's just, yeah, Legendary technically is making this MonsterVerse, everybody. I don't know if you've been pre- privy to that. It, you're fine if you're not. Um, Who else is in the MonsterVerse? Uh, 
the King Kong movies, the newer King Kong movies. Just them. It's them. It's just Godzilla and yeah. King Kong. It's not like, oh, well, let's get the blob in here and let's get, like, do we just not, we can't make a monster verse out of two the, monster the universes. Film is, the films in it are Godzilla, Kong Skull Island, Godzilla King of Monsters, Godzilla versus Kong. Monsterverse. Oh my god, this is more, this is almost as pathetic as the dark universe. <laughs> like, uh, what are you guys, like, we have a mo- monsterverse, what is it? It's all the Godzilla movies and one King Kong film we made, like, a long time ago that people... Long time ago and nobody liked. <laughs> oh my god, what, like, what are you wow. fucking talking about? What do you, what do you mean monsterverse? Not everything needs to be a You don't get a perverse at the end. Uh, it is... God, it is the fourth Hollywood only produced Godzilla movie. The other two being Godzilla, Godzilla King of Monsters, and 1998 Godzilla. <laughs> yeah. Uh, hey, we've only made four Godzilla movies, and they're all fine. Stop. Maybe I just want once, like, for them to like give all of that money to a Japanese team because oh, could you imagine? Could you imagine? All right. So the budget for the 2014 Godzilla, everybody was 160 million dollars could you imagine giving that money to people that this story is originally from to make a movie mm-hmm. so like god i'm just like imagining what it would be like if like all of our war yeah it's like wild that. yeah monarch is like the wow. they're like shadow government which is even worse they're like we are we're Ooh. on the outside of the outside tracking these the weird stuff like no <laughs> Oof. Big oof. One of the people in this film uh, is reprising her role from King of Monsters, and I was like, I swore she died. <laughs> I, I don't remember King of Monsters well. I watched it once in a hotel room while I was at a convention, but I swore her character got eaten like out of a, out of a helicopter by uh, King Godra. That's like when I was watching uh, Independence Day 2, mm-hmm. which isn't worth anyone's time ever, but it was on TV and I was bored. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was pretty sure the scientist from the first one died because an alien, like, stabs, like, grabs around the neck and, like, throttles mm-hmm. him. But no, he's just here, and he's just fine, and now the military's gonna weaponize aliens. So, don't watch it, it's bad. Yeah, it, the after credit scene for Godzilla King of Monsters shows all the titans going to Skull Island, which is where King Kong lives. He's just trying to live his life. And all these monsters are going to just come fuck up his shit. And he just wants to live in the jungle and be peaceful. He's just, <laughs> King Kong's just like, I just want to chew on this banana tree. He just He's just a large gorilla and he just wants to live his life. He's not like Godzilla, who's the embodiment of like nuclear right, violence. Like, God, also, <laughs> it's also weird because I'm like, Ameri- they all have to fight. Well, only one of them is the embodiment of violence. King Kong is like a ape man who usually gets kidnapped by scientists and brought to a city and is like, I would like to leave. <laughs> yeah, his thing is he just wants to be on his island and people keep fucking with him. Leave him alone. He wants, like, when he climbed the building, he climbed the building because he was forcibly taken from his yeah. home. And, like, it, you know, it's like, just let him be. Let him, he's like, I would like to go home. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to be like, home. There's always shots. And like, like, Godzilla of, and all the other Titans just roll up to his house. We, and we're going to fight. I, you, there are plenty of bananas for all of us, brothers. So why are you biting me? <laughs> <laughs> He's just like, brothers, what the hell? Like, I just, you're in my house. <laughs> Don't make. There's like a big welcome mat, like on the, the shore of Skull Island. Let, 
And Godzilla just stomps on Legendary it. Legendary pictures. Please don't make don't make me watch King Kong die for being at his house. <laughs> yeah, it's like if someone's got to die, like it shouldn't be King Kong, but it also should be Godzilla. It's like why do they have to fight? Why can't they just? Be There's gonna be some weird third monster that's like Monarch made. They haven't made Mecha Godzilla yet, so they're gonna make Mecha Godzilla. Like uh, there hasn't been a Mecha Godzilla, so I'm like, they're gonna make Mecha Godzilla to like kill because it's good and bad. I'm like, yeah, they're gonna make Mecha Godzilla to kill the Titans, and it's gonna be uh, like the horrors of technology again. <laughs> we don't. There's only three things. There's technology. There's climate change, and there's man, and those are the only things we can make commentary about. <laughs> well. It's like, I bet, just like from the direction that these franchises have been, Mega Godzilla is not going to be created by Monarch. It's going to be created by another government, um, but a scary one. A scary, one. bad one. Monarch's a good one. They would never. This is a... Uh... They would never build a robot Godzilla. <laughs> this is a fringe scientist no! from Monarch. Yeah. It's like, they are no longer good. <laughs> I hate it so much. They, they, they wanted to build the giant robot, and Monarch said no, so they went rogue and built the robot anyway. Well, that's Pacific Rim, like, the scientist who worked with them, like, goes rogue and, like, contacts the bad aliens. Oh, my God. That's the second one. That's the yeah, second Char- one. Yeah, fucking Charlie Day. <gasps> Charlie Day? He, he goes no! crazy. He falls in love with, like one of the heads of the monsters they keep and then he goes rogue and makes like a weird shadow government huh why did that one do badly (laughs) (laughs) i don't i'm like it has john boyega and charlie day who wants to fuck a monster head i think (laughs) yeah it's like okay john boyega good good charlie day wants to fuck a monster oh okay what (laughs) that's godzilla i don't we are it's like we're we are we are we're 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 done. Yeah, it was that was a big topic, everyone. So. I I highly recommend you go watch the first Godzilla. I think it's on Hulu because Hulu has the Criterion Collection. Yeah, I think it's on. Or Hulu. it cycles through Hulu often. Um, if not, I mean it's or it's at your local. Yeah, it's library. at your local library because it's a Criterion Collection. Uh, it's it's at your yeah. fingertips. It is easy to watch and being preserved as the important piece of history. It is. Uh, it is. It- Watch the original one, which is the Criterion one, because you can also find the English one, which is colorized and bad. (laughs) Yeah, it's like, if you want to compare them, at least watch the original first. And then, you know, do what I do, where I watch anime subs first, and then I watch the dubs so I can just cringe. Yeah, I watched watched the dub once when I was, like, 16. Because I watched the first one with, like, my grandpa, who had it on VHS. Um Mm -hmm. And I didn't know there was an Americanized one that had been, like, gone back and they colored it with, you know, technology and uh, dubbed it. And so I was watching it and mm-hmm. I, like, it's a different mo- I was like, where's, like, all, where's, like, half of this movie? <laughs> yeah. It's like, this is not, I didn't watch this. Excuse yeah. me? I need to buy Shin Godzilla because I watched it at Yomakan a few years ago. It was, like, playing, like, as one of, like, the late movies you could watch and... It was. I was enjoying it. It was hard to focus because it's like like people are coming in and out, and you've been at a convention, so. Yeah, it's like you don't really watch things at conventions that you need to pay no. attention to. And like, there's a lot to pay attention to because it's like the first Godzilla movie. Like, there's a lot of like human talking and like subterfuge and government stuff and like mess. It was kind of like advertised as a return to yeah. form of the. Original. And it felt it felt like it. It was good from what I can like recall, but I need to watch it for real again. Um, mm-hmm. But I think that's it. I think we did it. 
Yeah, we did it. That was a really good topic, Austin. I know you were like intimidated <laughs> by how big it was, but I think you did a really good Thank job. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, that was right. fun. Um, yeah, so. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. Yeah, everyone. Don't know when you'll hear this. Yeah. Hopefully, Hopefully soon. soon. <laughs> uh, I, I timestamped it by mentioning November 3rd, so you know when we recorded yeah. it. <laughs> Hopefully when you hear this, things are more chill. Yeah. You're sl- I- but probably. <laughs> <laughs> Bye. <laughs> Bye! Thank you everyone for listening to this episode of Secret Histories of Nerd Mysteries. Our music was provided by Esperanza Garay Negron, and you can find their music on Bandcamp at knifenun.bandcamp.com. Our introduction was voiced by Cafe 3G. You can find him under that handle on Twitter and Instagram. This podcast is a part of the Nacellecast Podcast Network. You can find us at Nerd Mysteries on Twitter. The show is edited and produced every week by the amazing host Brenda. And as a reminder, please, please, please... For listening to Apple Podcasts, throw us a five-star review. Helps to show it a lot. Tell a friend about the show. And until next time, historians, see ya.